You're listening to the New Song Students Podcast. I'm Jackson, and I'm the student pastor at New Song Church, located in Oklahoma City. We hope this message builds your faith and helps you to know God better in a greater way today. Enjoy the message. That's right. Well, tonight, New Song Students, we, we aren't kicking off a new series because we're an unseries. Oh. <laughs> we're an unseries. That means that for the next two weeks, um, we're not going to be talking about any specific topic or theme like we normally do, even though after moving on up, we've got a really good series that I cannot wait to announce to you, but I'm going to keep it on the DL. Um, but that's not what we're going to do this, this month for the next two weeks. We're going to take it, take it how the Lord wants it to go. No strings attached, no boxes, no agenda, just whatever God wants to say to this family. Does that sound good to y'all? Yeah. That sounds good to me. So um, I've got a word for you guys tonight. I'm so excited to share it. So if you've got your notes, you're taking notes. If you've got your Bible, you just want to follow along with me with your brain and watch the screen. Whatever you need to do, lean in tonight. I've got a word for you that I can't wait to share. We're actually um, going to be talking about something that's found in Exodus chapter 3, which we were just in a couple weeks ago in our name series. We're actually going to go back to a story that we just read a couple weeks ago because I just couldn't get out of it. I was like, there's so much good stuff in here. And I just felt like the Lord kept giving me some stuff. So we're going to get to Exodus 3 in just a second. But tonight, I want us to focus on something that we talk about a whole lot here at New Song Church, here at New Song Students. And it's this thing, you've probably heard about it before, but it's the presence of God. In fact, Maddie talked about it a couple times in worship. The presence of God. It's something that if you've been at New Song Students or, or New Song Church for any amount of time, you've probably heard us say that phrase before, right? Have you heard that phrase? At all? You've pro- probably heard it 20 times tonight, right? The presence of God. And so what does that mean? Well, we're going to be talking about that because what the, the presence of God is actually like a core value of who we are as New Song Church. Like one of our core values as a church is we want to be a presence-driven church. What does that mean? That means, uh, I think a good way to think about what a presence-driven church is, is it basically is we seek to put the person of God in everything that we do. Yeah. We, we seek to put the person of God in everything that we do. And you've probably heard this said before. Maybe you've said it before. Um, but have you ever heard somebody like come to New Song and then they think, they, they tell you there's just something different about that place. Like when I walked into the room, there was just something different. Maybe you said that. You came to New Song Church or New Song Students, and you had never walked into this building before or at Noah's, and you came in, and there was something special that you felt, and it was tangible, and it was real. And guess what? You did feel something special. You felt the presence of God because at New Song, we're a presence-driven church, and so that means that we seek to put God, the person of God, in everything that we do, not just the idea of God. So th- think about this with me for a second. When we worship, we're not just like singing ideas about God to ourselves. No, no, no. We're singing to the presence of God. Like we're, seeking to, we're singing to the person of God. When we sit under a word, like what you're doing right now, and you're hearing a message, we're not just like sharing ideas about God and what he's like. No, we're actually inviting God to speak to our hearts. Like we're inviting the person of God into everything we do. When we pray, yeah. 
when we go to small groups and we like connect the dots with the message, even when we're just talking after service in the lobby, we seek to put the person of God, not just the idea of God, but the person of God in everything that we do. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like the difference between me telling you an idea about somebody and you actually being in the presence of that person. Like, for instance, uh, something you need to know about my family, the Wilson family, is we're huggers. We like to hug. And if you've been around my family, you've probably gotten hugged by one of us before. We're all huggers. But here's the thing, though. I've got a little brother. And he's not, like, little. He's, like, a, he's a Marine. He's pretty jacked, and he's awesome. His name's Josh, and uh, he's also a hugger. But he doesn't hug like I hug. Like, I, I'm kind of like a gentle huggler. Huggler. I huggle gentle. But my brother, when he hugs you, I'm talking, you get like a free chiropractic appointment. It's just like, just your back all up and down cracks. Now, how many of you guys know, it's different me telling you the idea about that, about Josh. Like, yeah, my brother hugs really hard. It's totally different when you're getting hugged by him. And you're getting the breath literally knocked out of you, right? In the same way, check this out. In the same way, everything changes when you and I choose to enter the presence of God. Everything changes. That's because the presence of God is awesome. It's, It's available to you at any point, at any time. You can tap into the presence of God, the living God, the person of God, and and things happen. And so really what I want to do tonight is talk about that thing the presence of God, because I think if we're not careful, it can be this like mysterious thing. And like, we don't really know what happens, what happens when we're in the presence of God. All we know is we just kind of feel something special, maybe some Holy Spirit goosebumps on our arm, some spirit bumps, but we don't necessarily know what happens. And so tonight I want to give you four things. These aren't the only four things, but these are just some of the things that the Holy Spirit showed me through Exodus 3, I want to show you these four things that happen, should happen, can happen when you and I enter into the presence of God. And so uh, we're going to look at Exodus 3. Y'all ready for this? You know this story, but I'm going to read it again. It's Moses and the burning bush. You remember this? We're just going to start memorizing this whole chapter because we've been in it so much lately. Here's what it says. It says, as Moses looked, he saw that the bush was on fire but not consumed. So Moses thought, I must go over and look at this remarkable sight, which I would do too, obviously, right? I need to go check this thing out. Maybe roast some marshmallows on it. Uh, Why isn't this bush burning up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called out to Moses. He called out to Moses from the bush and said, Moses, Moses, here I am, he answered. Don't come any closer, he said. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place you're standing on is holy ground. Okay, so in this passage, we find Moses. Obviously, he's in the presence of God. So there's a couple things I want us to look at from this passage. If you're taking notes, the title of the message is In His Presence. You can write that down. Let's pray before we get into this word, though. Father God, I thank you that you always show up when we invite you in. That we don't just have to come here and talk about who you are and think about who you are apart from you, but we can invite the person of God, the Holy Spirit, 
the Spirit of God into this place. And every time you're invited, God, you show up. And so right now, Holy Spirit, we invite you to fill this room, fill our minds, fill our hearts. I pray that you would use this word and that you would speak to every single heart. God, show us what it looks like to be in your presence, what you want to do, what you want to accomplish in our lives through this amazing gift. We love you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Okay. So what exactly happens? You and I, we find ourselves in the presence of God. We're in the presence of God, kind of like Moses, minus a burning bush, unless you've seen a burning bush before, which would be pretty cool. I haven't yet. Uh, The first thing that I want us to see that we see in this story is point number one, in the presence of God, we are seen. In the presence of God, you and I are seen. Check this out. Verse four says this. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called out to him from the bush and said his name, Moses, Moses. So check this out. This may sound like a pretty obvious or kind of dumb point, but it's an important one because Moses is seen in the presence of God. And I love, uh, who was at church this past week? And we had a guest speaker. His name was Pastor Stephen. Really good word. If you haven't gotten to listen to it, I'd encourage you go back and listen to it. But one of the things he talks about is he talks about how when we look back at history or when we read the Bible, sometimes we don't fully understand like what people went through, right? Like for instance, when we read the Bible, when we read stories like about Moses um, in, in Exodus, we forget that when we're reading a verse or a chapter, like the people in this story are experiencing days, months, even years of, of trial and walking with God. It's not just like a, the flip of a page like it is to us. We forget that they experience some crazy stuff when we flip through those pages so quickly. And so if you're not familiar with Moses' story, you need to know that Moses in chapter 3 has been through a lot between Moses in chapter 2 and 3. Like, he's introduced in chapter 2. If you're not familiar with his story, Moses is born into a Hebrew family, which was super unfortunate for him when he was born because the Hebrew people were being super oppressed. They were living in Egypt under this terrible king named Pharaoh. And the, the Hebrew people started off as just a family living in Egypt, but they grew into an entire nation. And so Pharaoh obviously is like, this ain't cool. Like that, that's not, I don't want a nation coming up in my own nation. So he decides to set up a decree, and it's this terrible decree that he does to keep the nation of Israel, the people of he- the Hebrew people growing, and the decree is that every boy born to a family has to be thrown into the Nile River. Yikes. Yeah, not good. So this is exactly when Moses is born, in this time period. So not good. Mo- Moses' mother, obviously, though, like she's not about this plan at all. So when Moses is born, she hides him for as long as she can. She hides him for a total of three months, but then she can't hide him any longer. And so what does she do? Well, if you've seen Prince of Egypt, didn't anybody go back and watch it since our last? Nobody? You so, you so need to check it out. But just like, in the, just like in the movie, she can't hide him any longer. So what does she do? She puts him in a basket. She floats him down the river. And she trusts 
that God is just going to make something happen out of this terrible circumstance. And the crazy thing is he does. Because Moses floats down the river, Nile, and ends up in front of the very king's house that is trying to kill him. And the king's wife, Pharaoh's wife, comes out to bathe in the river. She hears a baby crying, and then she decides to raise Moses as her own child. So in, a very, in the very instant, in a single moment, Moses goes from being completely unwanted, completely unseen, a baby floating down the river, left for dead, literally, to being a prince. Like in one moment, just becomes a prince. And so he literally grows up in, a, in royalty with everything he could ever want, everything he could ever need. Um, and we don't know exactly how much time goes by. All we know is that in chapter 2, it says that when he was grown up, something happens to Moses that completely changes the direction of his life forever. One day he's out and he sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew person. And Moses knows that he's obviously not Egyptian. Like he knows he's a Hebrew and he sees this happening and it hurts his heart so bad. He gets so upset that he gets, he gets so flustered he actually kills this Egyptian, commits murder, and freaks out, obviously, because he's the son of Pharaoh. Freaks out, panics, and then flees from Egypt. So check this out. I say all of that to say this. Moses in chapter 2, where, where he's a prince living in Egypt, compared to Moses in chapter 3, where he's on the mountain, with God in front of the burning bush, he's just a shepherd, that total time period is a total period of 40 years. One chapter, 40 years goes by. And I want you to really put yourself in Moses' shoes for a second. Moses goes from living in the spotlight, having everything he could ever want, living a glamorous life to living in complete obscurity. Nobody knows him. He's unseen. He's He's a forgotten shepherd in the mountains. He's reduced to a guy watching sheep by himself 40 years later. I like the way a commentator puts it. He puts it like this. For 40 years, Moses lived as an obscure shepherd in the desert of Midian. At this point in his life, he was so humbled that he didn't even have a flock to call his own. The sheep that he was watching was his father-in-law's. So check this out. I think it's safe to assume Moses probably isn't feeling very seen right now before the burning bush. He's probably not feeling very loved by people, by the spotlight, obviously. He's forgotten. He's just watching sheep by himself. But then God shows up. God shows up and calls out his name. And God sees him. And here's what we need to know. When we step into the presence of God, New Song students, we're reminded that we're important to God. You are important to God, like you matter to God. Isaiah, Isaiah 43 says this, but now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, check this out. Do not fear. I have redeemed you. I have summoned you or called you by name. You are mine. You are God's. Look at this. Luke 12 says this. Indeed, the hairs of your head are all counted. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. God cares about you. When you're in the presence of God, something that will, should, can always happen is you will be seen by God. You know, there was a season in my life where I wanted to be seen by God. Like I grew up in church and I believed in God all the way through my childhood. But when I got into high school, I was 
really plugged into a youth group just like you guys are right now. And I started wanting to know that I was seen by God. Like I started hearing about how God, God wants to talk to you. This stuff that we're talking about right now, God wants to spend time with you. You're important to God. And I wanted to know that for myself. And one night we were at our youth group having a presbytery night, which if you're not familiar with that, that basically just means we had a pastor at our church pray for all of us as students. And she came up one night and she just started telling, like she's literally just up here like this and we're all in there. And she starts giving out words to people of things that God was telling her for people. And so I'm in the crowd and I'm obviously like, man, it would be so cool if I got a word from this lady. Like that would make me feel really seen by God. How many of you know, if some random pastor came up here and was like, hey, I got a word for you, never met you before. And it made sense. That would make you feel pretty seen, right? So uh, this amazing pastor, she comes up, she's giving words to all these people in our youth group. And I'm just like, my mind is being blown because I know everybody in the room and what she's saying is like spot on. And it's like coming towards the end of the night and uh, I haven't gotten a word yet. And I'm kind of like, man, I was really hoping, I was really hoping I would get a word. And she was like, okay, this this last word is really weird. Um, So hang in with me. But uh, months ago, I was praying for you guys. And for some reason, I kept getting this picture of like a sea of white cars with one red car just like weaving in and out of all of these white cars. And the second I heard this, I was like, I kind of stood up a little bit in my chair. The hairs on my head kind of stood up a little bit. And she continues and she says, I just, I kept praying about this and I kept seeing this random red car in a sea of white cars. And I was like, Lord, what do you, I, I thought it was a distraction. This is what she said. And she said, so I started praying that vision away. And the vision just kept coming back to her, this red car in the midst of a sea of white cars weaving in and out. And she was, felt like the Lord was saying, hey, this is a word for somebody. Just pray about it. So she prays about it, ends up writing this word down, um, which I'm not going to read it to you. But she goes up on the platform, and she begins to say this. And the second she says, I saw a red car, everybody in the room went, Jackson! Because, and she didn't know I drew, drove this car, but she drove in that night, and this is the car that was sitting out front of New Songs, or, uh, Gateway Students. This was, this was my first car. This was my first car. It was a 1974 Volkswagen Bug. And check this out. This is how cool God is. This is how cool God is. She had no idea who I was. She had no idea there would be a student that night who drove a red Volkswagen Bug. And the second she started saying that word, you know how seen I felt by God in that moment? I felt so seen, so important by God. And this is what you need to know tonight, New Song students. When you come into the presence of God, God wants you to feel seen because you are important to God. You matter to God. The second thing that we see happen with Moses and that happens with us is this. We are humbled. Say, we're humbled. Oh, you could say it better than that. Say, we're humbled. humbled. There we go. Verse 5, check this out. It says, do not come any closer, he said. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place you're standing on is holy ground. Now, this is a small detail. I think we could easily just like run past this detail. Moses taking off his sandals, but this will preach really hard. Him taking off his sandals, it's not just like, it's not just God being like, what up, Moses? Like, mi casa es tu casa. 
take off your sandals, bro. Like, just come relax, hang out with God. It's not like that kind of taking off his sandals. When he's asking Moses to take off his sandals, what he's really doing is he's inviting Moses to humble himself in this moment. And really what he's inviting him to do is remove something that might give him validation apart from God. And here's, here's why I say that. It's because in, in biblical times, obviously, not everybody had sandals. If you were poor, if you didn't have a great upbringing, if you were a servant, you did not have sandals on your feet. And Moses, he came from a pretty glamorous life in Egypt. In fact, I'm sure in Egypt, he was rolling around with some pretty nice sandals. In fact, uh, I think I found a pair of sandals that he was probably rocking around the pyramids with. Some air... Got him. Some air pharaohs. No, those are, those are air pharaohs. But uh, Moses, Moses was probably running around the, the pyramids with some sandals like this. But here's, what, here's why I say that. Now we find Moses. We find Moses as a shepherd. He's unforgotten, unseen. He's in the mountains, but he's still got a pair of sandals. He still has something to remind himself of his past life, that he's important, that he's different, that he's, he's got sandals, he's protected. And God, in this moment, invites Moses to give up his sandals. And I think we can look at this detail and think, what's the big deal? It's just a pair of sandals. But it is a big deal because guess what? Clothing is a big deal to us. And it's been a big deal to people since the beginning of time. Like, how many of you know we use clothing to, uh, as an identity agent for us, right? Like, you dress a certain way because you think that's who you are. And you dress that way to validate who you think you are, right? We all do this. When I was in college, I hung out with a group of friends, and we were all really into hardcore bands. And so we all wore hardcore band t-shirts because we wanted the world to know I'm pretty tough. And I'm in a hardcore band. And so we, we wore these shirts to validate who we thought we were. We, we wear clothes. Uh, sadly, we're, we've all done it before. We wear clothes, and we use clothing to judge the status of other people. Like we look at other people and we judge them instantly based upon the clothes that we wear. Do, do we not? I can remember when I was in middle school and high school going to the skate park. And this, I'm, this is my BC days, okay? I'm saved now. But I would, be judging, I would be judging every person at the skate park and I'd be like, you're a poser, you're a poser. Based upon the clothes that they were wearing. Clothing is powerful. Clothing is so powerful, and it's been powerful since the beginning of time. I mean, look at Adam and Eve. What is the first thing that they do when they realize they've sinned? They make some clothes. They cover up their insecurity. They cover up their shame. They, they look at themselves, and they're like, I don't like what I see. I'm embarrassed. And clothing is what they run to to cover up. And so check this out. When Moses is inviting God to remove his sandals, it's so much more than just a ritual. It's so much more than just a ritual. It's God inviting Moses to say, hey, in this moment, Moses, in this moment where it's just you and me, are you willing to remove something that might give you validation apart from me? Are you, and you know what I love about this? Is God isn't like, hey, hey, Moses, I need you to throw your sandals in the fire because you don't need them anymore. All you need is me. That's not, what, that's not what God is saying. He's just saying in this moment, hey, when you're in my presence, are you willing to let that thing go for a second? That thing that might give you validation, that thing that's in your life that 
you look to for your identity or you look to to hide behind, are you willing to lay that aside in my presence? This is what happens when we're in the presence of God. We're humbled. In this moment, Moses is invited to step into the revelation that the value of his life is not found in a pair of sandals, but it's found in the God who knows his name. Point number three is this. We are washed. Somebody say we're washed. We are washed. Okay, for this point, I actually want to jump over to the New Testament real quick. I want to jump into the story where we find the disciples in the presence of God because they're with Jesus. And so if they were, if they were with Jesus, they're always in the presence of God, right? In John 13, here's what happens in the Last Supper. Here's what it says. It says, so he got up from supper. It's talking about Jesus laid aside his outer clothing, took a towel, and tied it around himself. Next, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and dry them with the towel that was around him. Pause. Right here, we literally see Jesus showing us the power of clothing, right? Because he takes off his robe, he puts a towel on his waist, and he literally makes himself look like a servant in the room. So check this out. Let's continue. Jesus answered, or sorry, he came to Simon Peter who asked him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I'm doing you don't realize now, but afterwards you're going to understand. You will never wash my feet, Peter said. Jesus replied, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. Somebody say, boom. Mic drop, Jesus. Okay, so what, what, what we see right here is we find out that point number two We're humbled in the presence of God. And point number three, we're washed by God in the presence. We find out that both of these points are actually hand in hand with each other. Because in this moment, we see that God is really what he's trying to do when he humbles us is he's trying to say, hey, if you humble yourself, then I can wash you. And what we see in this moment is Peter actually denying Jesus from getting washed by him. He's like, no, Jesus. You can't wash me in this moment. He's saying, you're Jesus. You're the son of God, and I'm just Peter. You can't wash my feet. What are you doing, Jesus? But what we actually find is that Peter is act- he's acting out of a false humility. He thinks he's being humble, but he ain't actually being humble. One commentator puts it like this. This was an immoderate modesty, a proud humility. So how do we actually know, though? I'm telling you this, but how do we know this is a fake humility? Can we go a little deeper for a second? I know this is kind of teachy, but is this good stuff for you? Okay, we're going to go a little deeper. Here's what you need to know about the Gospels. There's four of them, right? And each one gives us a different angle of what's happened, right? It's kind of like a car accident. When you see a car accident, if you talk to the people who saw the car accident, they're all going to say something different about it, but it makes one picture of what's happening. And this is exactly what the Gospels do. And if we find out, If we read all the Gospels and we read this Last Supper story, we actually find a detail in Luke chapter 22 about it, about the disciples during the Last Supper getting into a little bit of an argument. (laughs) They're, they're They're in this Last Supper with Jesus, and they start fighting about something. What are they fighting about? They're not fighting about who got those air pharaohs, right? No, they're they're fighting about something else. This is what they're fighting about. Luke 22 says this. Then they began to argue amongst themselves about who would be the greatest among them. So check this out. Jesus is literally, I believe, responding to this argument 
by washing their feet. He's seeing the fact that they're all fighting about this pride issue that they have in their hearts. And he's like, let me show you what humility looks like. And he starts to wash their feet. And check this out. In a moment, in a, in a moment, Peter goes from being the guy who's fighting with the other disciples about who's the greatest to all of a sudden being like, whoa, Jesus, I'm not worthy. In a moment, he switches. He goes from being, oh, who's the greatest? I'm the greatest. No, you ain't the greatest, John. I'm the greatest. To being, no, Jesus, you can't wash my feet. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. In fact, I bet he was watching all, because it says that Peter was the last disciple that Jesus got to. I bet he was watching all the other disciples get their feet washed. And he's like, what are you guys doing? Don't you know who this guy is? And so what he responds with is actually a fake humility, right? And what we see happen is when we walk in a fake humility, which is actually pride, we learn that pride keeps us from letting Jesus wash us. Pride keeps us from giving Jesus the opportunity to wash us. But what does Jesus tell Peter? It's a powerful statement. He says, hey, Peter, if you don't let me wash you, you have no part with me. It's kind of crazy. If you don't let me wash you, you have no part with me. But what I love about this is Jesus doesn't tell Peter, uh, hey, if you're not holy enough, then I can't wash you. Or he doesn't tell you and me, hey, if you don't know enough Bible, then I can't wash you. No, that's not what he says. He says, hey, if you just don't humble yourself and let me do what I want to do best, which is wash you, if you don't just let me give you this gift of me cleaning you, then you have no part with me. This is what Jesus wants us to do, what wants us to experience when we're in the presence of God. He wants us to walk out of the presence of God looking less like us and more like him. And that can't happen when you and I don't first learn to take off our sandals, learn to humble ourselves and say, you're right, Jesus. I actually really do need you. You can wash me. You can cleanse me. Whatever you see in me that doesn't look like you, you can tell that to me and and you can clean it. So check this out. We're seen in the presence of God. We're humbled in the presence of God. We're washed in the presence of God. And last thing as we wrap up tonight, we are sent. Somebody say sent. We are sent. Exodus chapter 3, verse 10. This is the end of his conversation with God. It says this. Now go. This is God talking to Moses. Go, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of, of Egypt. So Moses, he didn't just leave the presence of God with like tingly, goosebumpy feelings. He didn't just leave the presence of God like, man, that was so awesome. Let's do it again. He didn't just leave the presence of God feeling seen, even though he did get seen. He didn't just leave feeling love. He left being sent by God. He left with an assignment. He left with a purpose. And here's Here's what all of this leads to. God has a purpose for you, New Song students. God wants to send you out just like he sent out Moses to do something. You know, the whole purpose of God's kingdom is that you and I would make this world look less like the world and more like heaven, more like his kingdom. And he does that through people. He doesn't just do that through pastors. He doesn't just do that through leaders. He does it through students. He does it through you guys. And what he wants to do when you're in his presence is he doesn't want you to just leave feeling good, feeling good about your life, even though he does have that for you. He wants to know he is sending you out to make a difference in this world. These are the things that happen when we're in the presence of God. We're seen. We're humbled. 
we're washed and we're sent out. And so right now, New Song students, I want you to invite you guys to bow your heads and close your eyes as we get ready to, to head in the small group and, and see what God has to say to us. Maybe you're here tonight. And you know what happens in the presence of God. You've experienced one of these things, one of these four things. Maybe you've experienced all of these four things. And if that's you, I'm, I'm so excited for you. And I know that God has so many more sweet and powerful encounters for you where you're going to come into his presence and you're going to be lacking something. Maybe, maybe you're going to come into his presence feeling unseen, feeling like nobody loves you and you're going to leave his presence totally different. There's going to be times where you come into his presence and you're going to come in holding on to things that you look to for validation. Whether that's a talent that God's given you or a relationship God's given you and he's gonna ask you, hey, for this moment, will you put that aside for me? Will you put that aside so I can do another thing which is wash you, cleanse you, make you look more like me. Make it to where when people see you, they don't see you, they see Jesus all over you. Or maybe you're here tonight and you lack purpose. You don't know what you're here for. It's in his presence that we get a promise. And it's in his presence where he promises us, I am with you. Now go. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid about what I've called you to do. I know it sounds big. I know it sounds scary. But I'm with you. My presence is with you at all times. Before we close, I just want to invite you to, you can say this in your heart. Just say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? Right now, we're going to invite the person of God, not the idea of God, the person of God into this very moment. Right now in your heart, say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? God, I thank you that you are alive and active. You're not a dead God. You're not a distant God. You're a good father. And I thank you for being a father who loves to talk to his children. I thank you for every single student in this room. They're your children, and you want to speak to them. And I pray that you would open up their heart their mind, their spiritual ears to hear what you're saying to them tonight. I come against any attack of the enemy that might try to block them from seeing you, from feeling your presence, from knowing you for who you really are. And God, we invite you in to this next portion of the night, God, as we continue, as we talk about your word with with our friends, our fellow believers, I pray that you would invade small groups, speak to us, bring clarity, revelation. We love you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.